Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Coach, I didn't I didn't lose them because I didn't do a good job recruiting them. I lost them because they cheated. The other account cheated. Yep. There's nothing I can do. The other coaches. With SI's Pat Forty. They're playing ultimately a losing hand anyway. I mean, they're going to change the bylaws for how you expand the thing, and then they're going to be outvoted. Here's Pat and Dan. I welcome the pod, and we are still rocking. LaFair <laughs> Sabin Fisher <laughs> moves into its second week. Keep giving it to us, baby. Come on. Keep giving it. Uh, Sabin with the walk back. That was no, that was no apology. No. If anything, I said offended anybody. That was one of those apologies. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> sure, I shouldn't have singled anyone out, but I did. <laughs> but I, I, I shouldn't have. But I didn't say what I said wasn't wrong. Yeah. Oh no. It no. just shouldn't have said the the truth. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm sorry, Jimbo lost his shit and we had to walk this back a little bit, but I don't really want to. Yeah. No, he does not want to walk it back. He's not backing down. Uh. So that's still going. Deion Sanders came out, Coach Prime. I thought he could have been stronger. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, interview with Jean-Jacques Taylor, who's I'm sure knew him from the Cowboy days. Uh, he lives in Dallas. and uh, Great reporter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, had good stuff from Deion. Deion, yeah. He, I mean, he, he took umbrage, but then he let Saban off the hook and said Saban's basically trying to talk to his boosters. And then... He uh he did what coaches tend to do in these situations. Like you you don't want to mess with me because I know everything. Basically, I know about all the bags and where they've been dropped and everything. But they never actually say where the bag was dropped for whom or for how much. They just say, "Yeah, I know about it, so don't mess with me." And again, I, I'm going to say this: head coaches usually don't know anything. No, they're no. not good with dirt. Everyone's like Saban knows what he's talking about. Eh. Right? Assistant coaches can know what happened. But they often make stuff up to save their ass with their head coach. Yeah, when you lose a recruit. Yeah. Coach, I didn't I didn't lose them because I didn't do a good job recruiting them. I lost them because they cheated. The other account cheated. Yep. There's nothing I can do. The other coaches. And so you hear that. Details from assistant coaches are rare. Details from head coaches almost non-existent. Because head coaches don't get involved in that because they're the head coach. The only way you ever really find out what someone's paying is if you have one of the parties involved in the payment, either the payer, the booster, or a coach in that case, or a player and his family who are getting the money. 
otherwise it's it's a lot of rumors and i know and this so who you know the temporary gift in the middle of that uh, federal trial was tj gasnola on the stand you know that's when you get that's when you find out that's when you find out and it's yielded nothing Mm -hmm. it's yielded Mm -hmm. nothing but that is when you find out otherwise yeah so i don't know that coach prime knows a whole lot either he's heard a certain a lot of stories but I don't know where that's going to go. I mean, look, nothing's going to happen to Saban. Uh, so that whole bit, oh, Saban. We don't even know what Fisher was alleging. Could have been alleging too much practice. He could have been alleging unofficial visits are being paid. He could have been alleging there's too much, uh, I, who knows? There was a PED deal back in the 2002. I mean, you don't know. Could have no. been anything. Right. That's all there. Fisher is adamant. KSAT San Antonio. He did a, an interview the other day, Sunday night, standing firm on his idea that nobody at AM got anything. And he said one out of 11 of their early uh, arrival guys got NIL. I just researched this, Fisher said in the interview. Of the 11 guys we have in place that came early, one guy has an NIL deal. So all those stories you're hearing are complete lies. Okay, I don't know what 11 came early. and You know, who knows? It was written on social media. Fisher said to reporter Greg Simmons, you got the news channels that believed it and you believed it. I'm asking you, Fisher said to Simmons, did you do your research? No, you just assumed. And that's the way the world goes now. As soon as it's written on social media and someone says it, you believe it. So where does that put you guys as a reporter? Nobody wants the truth. You want a story and a click and a hit. Listen here, Jimbo. We here at the College Football Inquirer, we want the truth. We can handle the truth. We can. Tell it to us. <laughs> Come on. Now, this was, uh, that was, that interview, it was classic Jimbo where, you know, his press conference was one thing. That was like barely holding on to sanity rage. This was classic Jimbo, argumentative as hell. Every time the uh, TV reporter tried to open his mouth, Jimbo would shut him up and fire right back at him. It reminded me of, of Jimbo circa Jameis Winston uh, issues in like 2014, where he's just, you're not going to get a word in edgewise. And if you do, he's just going to shoot you down anyhow. So uh, he was, he's, he's in that mode and he's still on the muscle. Uh, Greg Sankey's attempts to reprimand people into silence hasn't worked too well, at least with the coach in college station. He ain't backing down. He says he's still not in talk to. He's not talking to Saban. Not now. Not not ever. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. It was a little uncomfortable. His defenses of Jameis kind of a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it was sort of like a. You can support your player without going that far. Yeah, I, I mean, look. I mean, I'm looking at these his recruiting class and the, the the coaches are. I mean, everyone in college football thinks they they had some deals to get these guys. I mean, from November sixth on. He gets a five-star Walter Nolan on November 6th. This is a rival's five-star. It's a little harder to get than the 24-7 composite or any of that. Gets Evan Stewart after Thanksgiving. And then uh, since then, he's got four more in that class. Denver Harris, Shamar Stewart, Jacoby Matthews, Levius Overton. That's a hell of a close. Hell of a close. Oh, yeah. They must love the the color beige there in, uh, in College Station. That's the draw. Only one deal. One deal. 11. What 11? Which 11? Is he, is he protesting too much? Like, what is what is all this? Yes, I think he is. I mean, you know, when he started this back in February, um, Kiffin, Kiffin went there first, of course, as Lane would tend to do, and said something about, you know, that he's surprised they didn't have a 
they they're going to have to pay luxury tax at A and M for uh, for the, what they're giving guys, and and that's he called him a clown act, and and Jimbo went off on that like twice in the same day, I think on signing day. Then I think he had something else in April, and then obviously scorched the earth on Thursday of last week, and then again. Sunday night now to a San Antonio TV station. I mean, I, it feels to me like you could walk by Jimbo and say, you know, how's your morning going? He's going to say, we didn't cheat. Stop yelling at us. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he is so heavily on the defensive here that it, it's a little bit, uh, it makes you wonder. Let's just say that. And he kind of like insinuated last week. He didn't even know if there was a collective. Do, is yeah. there a collective around here? I don't even know. I mean, I look at I don't know whether they're, what they're doing, uh, but if you're paying the guy like nine million a year, you ought to know. <laughs> he would think if there's a collective. Find out. <laughs> Walk down the hallway to somebody in compliance. Hey, do we have a collective? Yes, we do. How's it going? I think pretty well. OK, good to know. Good. Can somebody call the collective and ask them if they're existing? Who paid yeah. who? Yeah, of course. Uh, SEC came down hard. Reprimand mm. public reprimands. Yeah. That ought to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> always does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then they tried to make sure no one was allowed to talk to the media. Boo. Yeah. And then, of course, Kiffin was the one who blew the whistle on that. By yeah, Kiffin. <laughs> he was supposed to be on, I think it was Dan Patrick, and told him, I was like, yeah, we just got told I can't be on. So. <laughs> one uh, one uh, SEC, prominent SEC individual beyond the uh, long arm of the SEC law, though, is uh, Coach Steve Spurrier, oh. former ball coach in Florida <laughs> and South Carolina. He is allowed to talk. <laughs> and does frequently. And told uh, DogNation.com. I don't know why he is mad at Saban, Spurrier said of uh, Fisher. Did Saban say something that wasn't true? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, Fisher is going to, you're going to get a strongly worded something from from Fisher on this. Yeah. How about the rest of that comment there? It's like, yeah, I don't think Simon told any lies in there. So I don't know what Fisher was mad about since Fisher beat him last year. I guess he can talk now. He hasn't beat much of anybody, <laughs> but he beat Saban last year, but they haven't won the division or anything since he's there. Did Saban say something that wasn't true? He said again, <laughs> God, God bless ball coach. <laughs> we needed to hear from the ball coach on this one. And we did. And I could I could hear a little bit of a tinge probably in those comments of the guy who used to butt heads with Bobby Bowden, who, of course, worked with Jimbo Fisher back in the day as the offensive coordinator at Florida State. So, yeah, that is true. Um, that's a pretty yeah, that's a pretty good uh, bit. I, I'll say this one thing. Th this story obviously got a lot of attention beyond college football, which is uh, the part I've enjoyed. Some of the commentary, some of the columns by people who I don't think are really in on it. I don't think this part is fair to Saban and Fisher. The idea is that because the guys are getting paid, these guys are flipping out and fighting amongst each other. I don't really know that that's it. I think they both accepted it. They're just looking like I do think Saban wants some kind of like, what? how is this working? What should I do? Right. I don't yeah. think he's really that mad about the money. At this no, point. I don't. I don't think he's opposed to the players getting paid. I mean, he never sounded like this. You know, last year when he was just fairly matter-of-factly saying that his quarterback was going to make seven figures in NIL money. With him, like everything else, it boils down to competitive advantage or disadvantage. And I think he feels like he's at a competitive disadvantage and wants to know what are the rules of engagement. 
What are we? What what can we do? What can't we do? Because this is not the way it was supposed to be. But is this the way it's going to be? And I think that's as, it as much as anything with him. I don't think he's uptight about the philosophy of whether the players are getting paid. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd prefer they weren't. But at that point, it's like, or he's talking about pooling it so everyone makes money. Whatever, he may have a different strategy. But Saban's going to do whatever the system is. I, I was looking at this, and th- this is we've talked about this a number of times. This is a a change from what I would call a passive dollar or a secondary dollar impacting recruiting to a direct dollar. Yep. Uh, and what I mean by that, if you if we're going to take under the pretense that college players haven't been getting paid directly under the table, but let's just pretend that, right? At least that's the rule. You take Alabama, and, and both of us have been to, you know, it's a phenomenal place to see a game. But in 2017, Alabama renovated its recruiting room inside Brian Deddy Stadium. And that's basically if you're a high school prospect, your parents come to the game, you know, you go in this little recruiting lounge area and hang out, meet the other things. Right. So they're going to have sign it and all the stuff. Make it make it awesome. Right. Uh, So they they upgraded in 2017. Typical like what what everyone does by 2020. That room was gone and they had made a new recruiting lounge that was now double in size (laughs) to 12,000 square feet. Yeah. A 12,000 square foot recruiting lounge <laughs> that will be used like seven days a year. Yeah. Right? 12,000 square feet is enormous space. And it's even fancier. They got pictures. I mean, it's even better. That's a three year flip. That is how recruiting worked. You had to spend tons of money on the littlest things because it might be the 1% or the 0.01% that flips a recruit. It's like like anyone could go to a game at Alabama as a recruit and or know anything about Alabama football, which presumably a recruit showing up on campus to see a game would know and not think, boy, this is a big time operation, right? They have to spend that kind of money to remind you. <laughs> Just that little bit more. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right? Upgrade. It's part of other upgrades, but even Nick Saban donated a million to the cause. Not just the recruiting lounge, but there was a lot to it. At the exact same time, Georgia was doing a $200 million glow up. Yeah. Of their stuff. Yeah. No, Georgia's on like the third renovation of a building that opened like seven years ago. Yeah. Right. You just constantly re. And in 2013, Georgia spent $581,000 on recruiting. Now, that would be, I'm, I'm guessing, mailing, scouting, travel, different stuff. By 2018, five years later, and 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 uh, Kirby Smart showed up. It was 2.65 million, Whew. five times, basically. In his first three years, Georgia spent a, a little over seven million on recruiting. Alabama spent 5.5 million. Hmm. Yep. So these are millions of dollars that were getting spent on recruiting. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, if if less than a decade ago you managed to be as good as Georgia was. On five hundred eighty-one thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yes, they got better. Uh huh. Yeah, they started signing number like one the, recruiting classes, and all of a sudden, right. then they went to national it wasn't, championship. It, it, but it wasn't like the airfare for the coaches to go out and visit the like. Uh, you know they they were they were getting around. They were visiting kids on on high school campuses. They were having home visits. They yes. were like, if you went to a recruiting visit on t- two thousand thirteen, it was pretty good at Georgia. Yeah. So they spend five times, two million more a year on on stuff. 
and it works. Yeah. But this is a passive dollar. Right. And if you're not Georgia, you're not Alabama, and you're not surrounded by talent, you're not able to, because Texas A&M did a bunch too. Everybody built up. Doesn't matter where you're at, right? Northwestern's got crazy stuff. Minnesota, wherever you are, you spent more money. But you have to get someone there, hope they like it. Maybe they're a little bit more convinced. Maybe you get a little bit better player. Boom, it's a slow grind. And that's what Saban was dominating because they were way in the lead. Yeah. Well, AM says they didn't do it, but <laughs> let's pretend they did. Right. Okay. They went, or somebody would go with an aggressive dollar, an, an immediate dollar, a direct dollar. Yeah. And you ain't got to wait years to get the facility upgraded and hope some sophomore comes and is loves your video board a little bit more than the other video board. You can sit there coming off an eight and four season on a four and four in the SEC. And bang, we got six rivals, five stars, six top 30 players. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a it's a disruption. It's not that millions weren't already spent on recruiting because what in God's green earth do you have? To, how do you spend two point six five million dollars to sign 25 players? <laughs> That's a hell of a question. Like on, and you're not paying the players right. on what? Yeah, like 17 of them are from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So millions were spent. It's just now it's going to be direct money. Now, Nick Saban, if it's going to be direct money, is going to find a way as best he can to compete in that. We said he can't. Eventually, he's going to run out of dollars if he's going against A&M. But that's pretty far down the line. Eventually, yeah, there, there's reaches a point where you're just running into the very thin margins of differentiation. But that. Again, that is what they were trying to do. They were trying to, you know, whatever that 1% extra was going to give us an advantage with, that's what they did. But to your point, instead of having to show recruits, well, here's what the artist's rendering of what the building is going to look like when you get here. Well, here's a deal that's going to put 500 grand in your pocket now. And right, so it's, right. a, it's a, a much more tangible, immediate uh, recruiting incentive than, yeah, you're going to have a nice building by the time you're a sophomore. Uh, it is, it is a true game changer. And that's how you can see things all of a sudden flipping the axis to the degree that it has Texas A&M number one, Deion Sanders gets a top player. You know, I, I, we, we cannot say that they got direct recruiting inducements, but it stands to reason that in the new era, things are changing rapidly because, uh, inducements are available to the players specifically above the table and relatively quickly. Luther Burden, East St. Louis, Illinois, going to Missouri. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's kind of in-state. East St. Louis is basically St. Louis, but I don't know. Was yeah. there something there? Was there something not? I don't know, but I, I hope there is. Yeah. So I'm not saying it in a bad way. Don't shoot me, uh, Jimbo. <laughs> but it's a direct dollar. Yeah. You can close gaps quick. You can prioritize co uh, recruits. This is why... I continue to think a year in, I've been saying this since this whole idea came, that this is going to spread out the talent because Alabama's sitting there right now. And I think Nick Saban's going, I can't, I had a, I had the passive recruiting system that no one really could catch us. Maybe Georgia could, and they did, but hardly anybody else can. Certainly Mississippi State can't. Certainly, right. no, no. you know, the, mm -hmm. the schools where I raid, Alabama gets a lot of players out of Mississippi and places like that. Like, they can't catch us because we'll just keep upgrading our recruiting room every three years, too. Yeah. 
But now when it's a dollar for dollar thing, it becomes a, a factor. Because look, if you were looking for a new job and someone said to you, hey, you want to switch jobs? I don't know, I'm pretty happy here. Wait do you see how nice our office is going to look in three years. You're like, eh. Yeah. How about we raise your your salary 10%? Whoa, now what, what's yeah. the job, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a, it's, it, this is a, this is a disruption, but that's, I don't, you know, I'm looking here and, and, and you know, it just, it just, you look at that money, uh, the money was getting spent. It's just, if I'm a college town contractor, I'm crying right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Your sweetheart deal to upgrade every facility, every football facility, every two years just uh, is being spent <laughs> instead on edge rushers. Uh, right, right. It's going directly to the player and his parents. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing along those lines now, I mean, obviously Saban's biggest selling point has been the NFL draft. We will get you drafted and you will make a lot of money in the draft. And that's still, that's a great incentive. That's it, if huge. The, yeah. If the players and the families are thinking about it, that should still be the biggest incentive. If you're a really good player who can get there, but I think that's three years down the road, four years down the road. Whereas, Hey, I can get 500 grand tomorrow or, you know, in six months when I enroll or whatever the case may be for some people, that's a, hey, I'll, I'll do that. And then I'll make it the NFL from wherever I'm going. Uh, you know, I think there's that, that's that, Playing at least a three-year, four-year long game of development and then becoming incredibly rich as an NFL player, uh, had, had there's some competition along that uh, line of attack now as well. Yeah, and that's that's what we'll see with A and M. What'd you do yeah. with these guys? Right. Um, everything's so new. Everyone's reacting to the second. Right. But there's been 24 college football playoff games ever played. Five schools have won 23 of them. <laughs> yeah. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and Ohio State have 23 wins of the 24. Oregon, in the first year, <laughs> yeah, right. won a game. Yep. Haven't been seen since. So, <laughs> the, the the chaos, the disaster, the this. Ah, <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. And and I again, we say I'll say this over and over. Haven't heard any parents complaining. No. Right. Haven't heard any players complaining about this chaos, other than the myth, the the unnamed. North Carolina player that's worried, right? That told told coach <laughs> told told Mac Brown, we don't want this. We don't. Want I'm not this. sure. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's concerns. I'm sure, but I mean, you know, I'm hearing a lot of complaints. And if I'm Mississippi State or I'm Wake Forest or I'm Indiana, this is giving you a better shot because you can't upgrade fast enough. It the, the system was built for the establishment, and you're not the establishment. And you can't, you're never going to out facility places like Alabama and Georgia. And they've got a million other things going for them already anyway. I mean, that's not the only reason that like Georgia's recruiting class got really good, believe me. But you can't do that. But because even if you'd have to spend 2.65 million a year on recruiting for years and years and years, well, now maybe you can get a guy that you weren't going to get. Um, the other thing is there's still the same amount of football players out there. There are. Now, if we're talking about the thing that's going to screw this up for the next couple of years, and they will regret doing this. I know why they're doing it, but I regret that they're going to regret this. Is they're now going to allow schools to sign up to 40 players a class. That means it's a lot easier to run off people. Yeah, exactly. And the number one thing that keep if you want to make competitive balance in college football, Drop your scholarships from 85 guaranteed to 70. Yeah. 
Oh, I yes, I've said that, I, and I right absolutely agree with that. If Alabama can sign forty guys a year and say you're our guy, they're going to get forty, and those last fifteen would have gone to Mississippi State or Wake Forest or Georgia Tech or wherever, right? And then the ones they don't like that they got that didn't pan out are just there's just more of them are going to get run. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and so then yeah, there will be redistribution that way. But uh, I was on on. Uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, I think it's the drive with uh, Wes Neighbors and Steve Moulton. They, they got a fun radio show up there. And Wes Neighbors, who played at, uh, at Alabama uh, in the early 80s, his father, I think it's Billy Neighbors, was in the first Bear Bryant recruiting class at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And he said Bear Bryant signed a hundred and like eight guys. <laughs> brought in like a, not even joke. Yeah. <laughs> and only like 10 were there at the end. Yeah. Sure. Just, and I think, uh, yeah, a hundred people, they came on a track, they came, whatever, hit a hundred new players. Because not only was that just basically a tryout back then, but you kept those guys from going to Ole Miss or right. whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're stashing them on your own practice squad, basically. And then, yeah, you, you, the guys that never play eventually leave. But yeah, uh, this give me 40 guys, that's not going to help. Yeah, whoever voted for that that wasn't uh, Ohio State or whatever and Alabama and uh, that was not a good vote. No, no. Not, I know, I know. Like, so you know, some of it's like, well, I, I get it. You don't want to put it. You don't have a team with like forty-five people. They're going to get injured anyway. It is. It's wild out there. But a lot of the reactions are just as wild. Yeah. No. I, again, the change is difficult in college sports. They're not used to it, and especially change that's powered from somewhere other than the top down which is kind of what's happening here and they in a sport that is always a, a a group of sports that's always been driven by bureaucrats deciding what's best for everyone else uh that's not the way things are working right now all right pat you um had a good good story on si.com ranking the 15th biggest uh rivalries in college football uh the hate the hate meter the hate arama if yep. you will bad okay. blood power ratings yes sir the bad blood power ratings. That's what he's calling. So you may or may not guess what's number one now, which wasn't about. But let's let's run through these top 15. Yeah. For some reason, this seemed like a good time to to refresh the bad blood ratings. I don't know why. Bad, it, yeah. it, it, it does move because, yeah, things get like like right now, Ole Miss and Mississippi State aren't really that good. No. They're getting along. Yeah. Leach and Kiffin like each other. So even though they're both characters they're 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 not char- using their character platforms to stab each other massively disappointing mm-hmm. considering a a uh a dog urination touchdown celebration <laughs> set off two coaching changes <laughs> yeah yeah you know we could have done a little better we could anyway number 15 tv versus everybody yeah uh good point everyone's mad at their 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 kickoff times yeah People are mad at their kickoff time, or they think that it's some TV networks helping out another conference too much, right? You know, everybody distrusts ESPN because they're supposedly in bed with the SEC. Then other people are mad because Fox is like serving as an advisor and even sitting in on negotiations for the Big Ten with other networks. Uh, and then, yeah, then there's the kickoff time that everybody, yeah, I mean, which is classic. I, I mean, I really like 
the Fox Big Noon kickoff concept. I think it's great. You get people up and excited and talking about your game at 9 a.m. And you go right and into it. you're not a, the only one. The numbers are great. Yeah. Too, well, so. that's that's the biggest reason why they're having those games then. Because you're getting a good matchup right away and people are excited and they're watching it. And then, oh, Texas, oh, we, we can't play Alabama at 11 a.m. We can't do that. That's ridiculous. Well. You're going to because of the course, money says so. we had to hear about the Maryland game where it was 100 degrees oh, and yeah. lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> this is Alabama. You need to, Nick Saban ain't going to be worried about the 100 degree weather. No, no. Come so on. What are the Texas fans angry? I mean, it cuts seriously into pregame drinking. Yeah, no, and I can understand being disappointed in that. And you figure they're going to get their ass kicked, so the after isn't going to be much fun. I, I don't know. They're, they're, it's going to be too hot. It's like it's September 10th in Austin. It's going to be hot at night. It's going to be hot in the middle of the afternoon. It's going to be hot in the morning. It's going to be hot all day. Deal with it. Uh, you know, I just fans, oh, they love to complain. But they, the 11 a.m. kickoffs have become a real whining point for everybody in the central time zone. All right, number 14, Texas versus TCU. All right. Yeah. Mainly because Texas – stole TCU's coach. Yeah, they hired Gary, Gary Patterson. Patterson after TCU pushed him out. They're like, yeah, we'll give him 150 grand to be the special assistant to Sark, uh, which means 150 grand in charge of having the most complete scouting report possible on one opponent on November 12th, that being the Horned Frogs. How do we beat them? That's Gary Patterson's job for 150 grand. All right. Number 13, Michigan State versus Michigan. Yeah. And that's even uh, that's not even factoring in the drunk attorney general. But uh, <laughs> beyond that, I mean, you and I were both there that game. That was an epic game. Fantastic game. Incredible anticipation. And then there was a bunch of controversial calls and they basically all went in favor of Michigan State and the Michigan fans were mad and Harbaugh was mad and all the Wolverine people were mad. So I think that that's kind of stuck with a lot of people. I mean, Michigan State walked off with, again, the bragging rights, uh, as they have often in that rivalry recently. Uh, but Michigan had the better season. But Michigan State can say, ah, we still beat you head to head. So I think That's that a one's... tough one for Michigan. First off, Michigan State and Michigan always hate each other. So they could be top yeah. 15 at all times. Right. That's a tough one because you do beat your rival, but then they just go on to have like Michigan fan doesn't care about that game. Anymore. Right. I mean, they, they beat they, Ohio State. That's that the thing. It. Once once the season turned out the way it did. I'm going to guess on this list. This will not be Michigan's last. Texas is probably not either because they fight with everybody. All right. Number 12, Auburn Boosters versus Brian Harson. No question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really don't like Brian Harson. They tried to fire their coach after one season where he went six and seven. Yeah. Well, I basically mounted a shadow campaign about off, off the field stuff and now, Jimmy Rain, the Auburn trustee, disputed the notion that he or any of the boosters attempted to undercut or oust uh, Arson, but you can believe what you want to believe, and we certainly know how things tend to transpire down there when the boosters fall out of love with the head coach. On the sliced bread scale of <laughs> truth and accuracy, that one that seems to rate. Uh, number 11, Rose Bowl versus playoff expansion. So, yeah, the, the Wetzel entry here, your favorite thing. The, the 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 sunset di dictating all things in the playoff. I did say that if if an asteroid were headed for the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day at five o'clock, the game organizers would say, "Now we're going ahead with kickoff." They, they they just don't care as long as they get their as long as they get their third quarter sunset. Except for that time, they moved it to 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 Arlington, Texas. The <laughs> sunset over the Walmart. <laughs> 
I didn't care then. <laughs> the Alliance versus playoff expansion, number 10. Yeah, that's one. There, There is definitely some bad blood there. It's all administrative, but uh, it's real that Greg Sankey and the guys that worked with him to expand the playoff, Craig Thompson of the Mountain West, Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame, and Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12. They had their plan. It was well-received. We were going from 4 to 12. And then the Alliance hit the brakes on it and just basically gummed up everything, and it didn't happen. And uh, there has been, I think, lingering unhappiness between those two camps. And I, I was at the San Francisco Regional Basketball where – George Klyakov and um, Jim Phillips were just thick as thieves and kept a a stony silence and distance from uh, Greg Sankey, who was at the other end of the scorer's table. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Bad blood. Uh, well, the thing is, they Sankey keeps warning them. They believe that SEC will come back to the table and preferably with the exact plan they just offered because it was a really good one. And Sankey keeps saying no. And I, when they get 16 teams... I don't know. I, I am not ruling out a four-team SEC playoff before they even then get into the actual four-team playoff. Right. I don't know. Yeah. This is a massive gamble by by the other leagues. It really is. In in a situation where they're they're playing ultimately a losing hand anyway. I mean, it's, they're going to change the bylaws for how you expand the thing, and then they're going to be outvoted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once, once it's not – right now, every conference has veto, but that's going to be gone. Uh, quite soon. So, all right, that's number 10. Number nine, Washington versus Washington State. Yeah. Apple Cup bitterness. Really? Apple Cup anger. Who's, yeah. Yeah. Who's last attention. Uh, last year, <laughs> Washington State won, um, won the game. And, you know, they did what fans do after you win a big rivalry game. They stormed the field. But the game was in Seattle. It was at Washington Stadium. <laughs> that was a strong move by the Coug fans. And uh, they beat them by their biggest margin of victory ever in the Wash in the Apple Cup, twenty seven points. So you combine that, but their fans all over your field and planting their flag at midfield. Oh, I, I think that's got to lead to some riled up Husky fans. I mean, I hope so. At least show a pulse out of that program. <laughs> yeah, I, this is way too high. No, no way. <laughs> we'll I mean, see. it's humiliating having the other team storm your field. I agree. But that is a sign of how bad it is. Well, it is. That's a sign that your four and eight season was pretty disgusting and nobody really wanted to be there at the end of that game. They 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 evacuated the premises. The Husky fans sparked up a joint and rode their their skateboards back to the dorm, and that's it. <laughs> it could be. In 1958, Number UTC tore down Tennessee's goalposts after they beat them at their at their place. <laughs> I respect that. That's yeah. strong. Very strong. I'm seeing they're still bitter. Still bitter up there at UT. <laughs> Number eight, Lane Kiffin versus Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, he got there first. Kiffin went there first you know, on signing day. I guess we just Early talked adapter. about Yep, yep. Irresponsible uh, as hell, Jimbo said. Yeah, he called him a clown act. Mm -hmm. is, I think even, even, <laughs> even, uh, even Lane probably admits he sometimes acts like a clown. <laughs> Number seven, LSU versus Florida. I believe this is what, because of the throne cleat game? What do we got? Well, we got the throne cleat game in 2020. We had last year when uh, LSU won as a 12 and a half point dog. They That, that rivalry has been off the rails for a while. If you go back, remember the, the hurricane postponement of 2016 where like LSU basically said, 
Florida was chicken. You know, we're ready to play. The hurricane ain't going to be there. You should play the game. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, Florida got mad the about the Weather that. Channel game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Weather Channel game. So it was, uh, it's been good since then. And then, yeah, the last two years have been crazy. And then Billy Napier, like a lot of people thought he might be the guy at LSU. And I think he probably thought he might be the guy. And he never got a sniff of the job. So he ended up at Florida instead. That was uh, just a little yep, added that, dynamic there. They do play every year, right? That's their crossover game. Yeah, for now, until they change the schedules. Yeah. Go to pods. Number six, Pat Narduzzi versus Lincoln Riley, the pit coach versus the uh, the uh, USC coach. And uh, obviously, Jordan Addison has made his commitment. He's heading to USC. Yep. yep. Was there a tampering? Oh, we heard a lot of tampering thrown around on that one. Can USC win the Win the Pac-12 this year? I mean, I, I I think it depends on two things. Can they block? And then can they can tackle? They tackle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Fairly important things. Can they throw and catch? Yes. Will they have a good running game? If they can block. But, I mean, they, right. they, they have skill position talent deluxe. The question is what, they, what they've been able to do in terms of upgrades. And you know how it is. You can't fix an offensive line super fast and usually can't fix a defensive line super fast so we'll see where they are there yeah you might need a i mean they they could have used a bednarik award winner something yeah. like that best defensive lineman to come in i th- very interesting to see what i mean they got weapons i mean it's they should score points it should be exciting for usc do they have enough right oregon and utah still still pretty strong all right, one of my favorites, SMU versus TCU is number five. TCU and two hate fests going yeah. on right now. How about that? Battle for the Iron Skillet, which I personally like because you can cook out of the trophy. <laughs> yes, you can. You can cook out of a trophy or beat somebody over the head with it. And I think right now <laughs> those fans, especially on the SMU side, would like to beat the frogs over the head because they they took their coach. I mean, that's been a big rivalry for a long time. And Sonny Dykes just up and up and left the D of the DFW Metroplex for the FW. Uh, and he's the new coach TCU. And last year's game ended with a bunch of the usual kind of, you know, hurt feelings because SMU won and then tried to plant a flag. And then there was a fight. And then Gary Patterson was ripping TC or S ripping SMU and that sort of thing. But, um, but having and Sonny they made Dykes, fun of Gary Patterson's song too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, Remember they that? did. Yes, they did. You love a good Texas chippiness battle. All right. Number four, Brian Kelly versus Notre Dame fans. Yep. Yep. That's no number four. and Number three, both uh, blue blood schools that had their coach jilt them. And so number three is Oklahoma fans versus Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Had their, had their, their, successful coach jilt them and didn't handle it especially well uh now i think the anger towards kelly was a little more justified because he did literally run out on a potential playoff team Uh, but he did not raid the roster he did not or as lincoln riley said i didn't take anyone from oklahoma i took him from the portal yeah that's the that was one of the great semantics quotes of the offseason well a portal's got to have there's an entrance and an exit to the portal right (laughs) so the entrance was in norman the exit was in yeah it doesn't that doesn't work that way lincoln who hates the who who on this hates more oklahoma fans or notre dame fans oklahoma fans i I, I agree yeah i mean their anger was incredible and then it only got worse when caleb williams left and mario williams left receiver and quarterback and i just think that level of vitriol has been whew, extremely high yeah the marcus freeman high is enough to make like a lot of notre dame fans 
They were mad he left. They hope he loses. But they're very, very excited about the potential of this Marcus Freeman era. Uh, I'm not saying Oklahoma fans aren't also excited about Brett Venables, but Venables, but he isn't as cool as Marcus Freeman. Right. And he may be great, but he hadn't. He may be great, but he's got to prove great, but they've also yeah. had great. Yeah. But now Oklahoma fans are just upset the whole bit. I mean, when they started saying, like, you know, he shouldn't have gone because the taxes are too high. <laughs> USC worried if he could make the money. And he's getting 90 million. I think he can afford the taxes. Yeah. All right. Number two on the list Jim Harbaugh versus coach third base, Ryan Day. Yeah. Yeah. That was the classic. It wasn't mean enough. Yeah. That's when you knew Harbaugh was fully back when he threw in the post game barb after they fi- after he finally beat Ohio State and beat him bad. Uh, and won the Big Ten East and went on to win the Big Ten Championship. And we said, sometimes people that are standing on third base think they hit a triple, but they didn't. And there was no doubt who he was referring to there. Uh, and yeah, as if Ohio State Michigan needed a little more juice, it got it. Ryan Day handed the Ohio State job where bootstrap Jim Harbaugh started at non-scholarship University of San Diego. Yep. Ohio State's season this year is going to be really interesting. Uh, expectations are as high as ever, but there's like there's just that I think there's that flicker in the back of little Buckeye fans' minds. What if the program is slipping with Ryan Day? Right, yeah. and it doesn't take much to slip when you're on top. That's the problem. No, that's the thing. You go from twelve and zero or eleven and one to eleven and two, and uh oh, now you got a problem because you didn't win a championship at eleven and two, or you didn't make right. the playoff, and and you got all this talent, we didn't quite do it. So it's it's a this is the burden, right? You get but you get the program. But what if our Ohio State's recruiting is not it's very good, but it is not that yet at that elite level they were used to this year. They may still get there. It's early. Yeah. But they're not they're not threatening to have the number one class or anything like that. It's one year. Um, that Notre Dame game to open the season, Ohio State should win that game. Yes, absolutely. But they kind of need, but that's not, that doesn't help because then it's like, well, you need to win this game probably handily. And then they get Michigan at the end. I mean, they should be fine. I don't, I don't see a lot on here. They got Notre Dame. They should beat them uh, in Columbus. First five games in Columbus, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers. If you're going to buy that Wisconsin can beat Ohio State this year, they never do. But otherwise, bang, they're at Michigan State. Then they, they get Iowa at home. Then they're at Penn State. Then they're at Northwestern. They get Indiana at home. They're at Maryland. Michigan travels to the horseshoe. Yeah. On paper right now, favored solidly in every game. Solid favorite to go 12-0. and 0. Uh, But that's that's the bird. I mean, they got C.J. Stroud. They got a ton of guys. But better go 12-0. and 0. You know, you can't have a Michigan State pop up. You can't have a Penn State pop up. You sure can't. You know, just things get nervous, right? What yeah. if Notre Dame's in it? Right. So fascinating season for Ohio State coming up. Yeah. Finally, number one, you have Despicable Nick versus Jimbo. Pretty obvious. <laughs> it's given us two complete podcasts worth of uh, venom and anger. So it, it's a clear so number far. one. Yeah, so far. So far. Still early. Yeah, so not bad. All right. We're going to get that. New contender for favorite player in college football. What do you got? Central Florida. Kicker, freshman kicker, Colton Boomer. (laughs) That is his name, Colton Boomer, 
which is a great name for a kicker. Yes. The boomer, but even better, his high school yearbook. Uh, you know, you got to do the immortal high school senior quote. Colton Boomer's high school senior quote, kicking bombs and kissing your moms. <laughs> Kicking bombs. He is the field goal kicker. Kissing your moms. <laughs> Colton Boomer and the moms of his high school. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I am not in favor of censorship, obviously, but if there's a yearbook advisor looking at that saying, hmm, are we really sure we want to go with this? I think there's some uh, discussions around the dinner tables <laughs> of Lake Mary, Florida. <laughs> hey, mom. Remember that time you offered to give Colton Colton a ride home? <laughs> you dropped me off first. What, what, was Colton Boomer out there locking lips with the uh, the moms of the class of twenty two? If you see the picture too of Colton, he looks. He's got his. He's got the, oh, the yeah. hair flow going. And, oh yeah. yeah, the Cougars would get excited about this. No question, he's a good looking, dude. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Well, you just read it on the internet. You assume it's true, right, Coach Fisher? There you go. That's it. Colton Boomer away from mom. <laughs> Gus Buses needs to be a little worried because that will divide a locker room really well, quick. Oh, boy. Yeah, now that would really do it. Yeah. Supposedly. You do not need uh, Ma, the kicker. <laughs> what did Pete Manning once call his kicker? The idiot kicker? Yeah. His idiot kicker got <laughs> drunk. Yeah, you don't want the idiot kicker out there trolling through yeah. the uh, the parent Hooking tailgate before games saying, yeah. I mean, he just kissed him. <laughs> Kicking bombs and kissing your moms. So, uh, Colton, all right, keep us posted, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your senior quote. We'll see if, if Colton gets too uh, frisky with that, somebody's going to crush him on a scrimmage kickoff at practice. <laughs> you know, decleat the kicker. That's always yeah. a classic. Yeah. Uh, they also have you. By the time he graduates, there's going to be a floating pool outside the stadium. So there's going to be some pool party tailgates <laughs> that are going to offer him some. Some yeah. situations. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep an eye on young Colton's uh, career. You know what Coach uh, Prime said? We need extra, extra uh, coaches to keep an eye on these young men. Colton needs a. <laughs> yeah. Remember the, like the UNLV like quarterback or backup quarterback? What was he involved? He was eating sushi off of a model or something. Yeah, on the, some reality on the below show. deck. The reality <laughs> show below deck where they they rent yachts and he apologized for this which is yeah again you can go to unlv <laughs> this isn't byu or maybe like even then they probably not against the rules because no one would have thought to create that rule but what unlv fan was upset that their backup quarterback <laughs> ate sushi off a nude model on a reality show yeah i i don't think they there there was a lot of um Offense taken in that fan base. Uh, no, uh, totally <laughs> unnecessary apology. All right. My uh, colleague at uh, Yahoo and Pat's former colleague at Yahoo and our friend Jay Busby. <laughs> great, great writer. Uh, great. A lot of things at, at what he does. He's got this newsletter called Flashlight and a Biscuit. I encourage you to find it. it's like a sub stack. Sends it out like most Saturdays. You get like this little he, he writes something usually about Southern culture. It's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, and this week's edition is right up our alley. Uh, he has a collection of one-star reviews of Waffle House. 
<laughs> the Yelp reviews of Waffle House, as he puts it, how can you be angry at a Waffle House? <laughs> yes, that's my point. I'm like, come on. Presumably, you none, know what of you're getting into. none of the reviews are written by Gus Malzahn. We're pretty sure of that. Yeah, right. We live in an angry society. This is a statement of fact. A whole lot of us spend our days seething with rage, just looking for an outlet to unload all that tamped down frustration, anxiety, and wrath. But yes, I mean, uh, as Jay puts it, the flaws of Waffle House are the feature, not a bug. <laughs> like, it's not... Yeah. <laughs> you go to Waffle House, you get what you get. That's, I mean, you just get what you get, you don't get upset. Right. I, I want to play this. This has nothing to do with Flashlight and a Biscuit. We'll get to the reviews. But, Sully, play the the Anthony Bourdain, who I miss his, his show greatly on CNN. Uh, the only reason I would ever watch cable news of any sorts was the Anthony Bourdain show, and I haven't watched since pretty much. Uh, play his uh, his description of waffles. It is indeed marvelous. An irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts. Where everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, is welcomed. <laughs> its warm yellow glow, a beacon of hope and salvation, inviting the hungry, the lost, the seriously hammered all across the South to come inside. A place of safety and nourishment. It never closes. It is always, always faithful, always there for you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Waffle House, the best. All right. So some one star reviews of Waffle House. What is wrong with people? <laughs> that was a beautiful ode from uh, from our man. Yeah, no, it's awesome. One star. Everything is sticky. The food is all greasy and the employees act like they don't want to be there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I took my four year old out for a waffle and he loves it. I had never taken this particular waffle house and boy, was it a special. Here's the list of first. This four year old got indoctrinated early. Waitress takes a phone call in the middle of taking our order, tells me to hold up. When my boy asks about the tattoo on her arm, she grants him knowledge that, quote, once you're going to get once you get a tattoo, you're going to wind up back in jail. Once the police know to look for that tattoo, you're going to wind up back in jail. <laughs> Advice from the waitress. The waitress takes another phone call and walks out the back door to take it. Proceeds to lock herself out. and The customers let her in. <laughs> uh, oh, i love it uh here's one the waitress attacked me with my spoon after i found it to be dirty and showed it to her <laughs> furthermore they forgot my waffle <laughs> didn't toast my boy's toast either <laughs> toast that wasn't toasted uh. Do we know which Waffle House this is? No, uh, it doesn't say. See, that's, I would kind of like to avoid the one where the waitress may attack you with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, we need some origin story on that one. <laughs> People in here are so rude. Do not come here if you want a good meal. Kick my friend out after dropping her debit card in the ground because she was, quote, too drunk. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Food was not good either. That when sounds like she was at a huddle house. Not a too drunk at Waffle House. That's not even. Yeah. A, is it is that possible? Is it possible <laughs> to be too drunk at Waffle House? That's the question. If you want Jerry Springer style entertainment during your breakfast, please go here. 
The main cook, second cook, and waitresses are always into some dramatic real-life work-related drama. Initially, you find it humorous until you realize you've been waiting for your food 35 to 45 minutes. Food is good, but you're going to wait and you're going to hear a whole lot of drama. Bring your camera because it's YouTube worthy. Again, this is a positive. Uh, right? Exactly. Where's the problem? <laughs> uh, this one might have been drunk when they wrote the review. <laughs> Poor service. Trifling and rude. Coffee tastes like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> The only good thing about the place is the scrabbled eggs. Scrabbled. <laughs> we uh, went to this location on New Year's Day. The server seemed to be drunk. New Year's Day. You're going to Waffle House. Was this a poem? We went to this location on New Year's Day. The server seemed to be drunk. He complained why we are ordering waffle only. Oh, my God. The restrooms were so dirty. Me and my husband had to go to Home Depot to wash our hands. <laughs> Afterwards. The kitchen floor was dirty. I don't know how to start. Smashed food, plastic utensils was all over. He dropped our cream cups in the, on that dirty floor, picked it up, put it on our table. I asked him for clean ones, put the dirty ones back, gave me another one. Yes, <laughs> and? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what. What are they complaining about? This place is a freak show. A lot of drunk college students. Staff was turned up. <laughs> Playing music, dancing, even offered us gin and Chardonnay from a personal stash they had. <laughs> That's pretty what? good. <laughs> I'm, I'm rating them five stars if they're handing me handed booze out. Although I got to say, Chardonnay, not really <laughs> lining up with gin the Waffle House clientele. Broke plates while cooking. No real silverware. I'm not a fan of Waffle House, but only came because I was outvoted. I enjoyed the freak show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Cracker Barrel can serve booze now, so Waffle House needs to do something. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's an escalation right there. It is. Breakfast wars. Breakfast booze wars. There we go. The cook at 1.50 a.m. should respect people that have been waiting in line instead of trying to pick up women. <laughs> <laughs> line cutting isn't okay, especially when a person says they aren't feeling well. Uh, yeah, if the cook is trying to hook up with the, the customers, yes, he's working at Waffle House. My God. <laughs> you think he's worried about getting fired from Waffle House? No, no, he is not. During during the meal, the entire kitchen was arguing, and then one one worker played, take this job and shove it seven times on the jukebox, <laughs> and our own server eventually walked out. <laughs> Anyways, there's more. I've spent an embarrassing amount of money on touch tunes and Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, and then your thing plays in like three hours, right? Because yeah, that's the problem. It's all backed if, up. If there's a queue, yeah, if there's yeah, a there's probably a queue going. All right. Anyway, that's the uh, ones. To be nice to your Waffle House. Yes, please. Most of those one star reviews are actually five stars. They just didn't know it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I would read those and say I want to go there. Totally not understanding the concept. Of what it's like, I went to game. I went to a basketball game at the Cameron Indoor. It's very loud, and I wasn't allowed to sit down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Scattered, smothered, covered, drunk. Get it done. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, appreciate everyone listening. We'll have more on uh, later this week. Keep subscribing. Appreciate uh, you guys sharing us on social media, and we will talk to you later.